Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. All right, we're going to stay in worship. We're going to do a little shifting. We have a friend of mine realized that uh, a long time, our families went to church together, and he was always a saint, and he's shocked that I'm a preacher. But we got Roy Kendall here, who for 31 years, he has a school of worship in Israel. And for 31 years, he's been doing worship at the tomb in Israel. And when he called me, said that he was available for 31 years, he was in Israel at the tomb, and he can't get back in the country. I believe there's an anointing. I believe there's a shift. I believe there's something for you. This basket, we're going to sow into the trading floors while he's worshiping, while he's preaching. He's a guest speaker. You know what we do with guest speakers, don't we? How long before, how long has it been since you've been in Israel? Ten months, he can't get back to where his home is, where his worship school is. So he's a vagabond. But I was want Roy to kind of take over. He's going to work. We're going to do some worship. We're going to shift. He's going to preach a little bit. And this is what we do here. We make it different. So here's my friend Roy. Good to be here today. <laughs> Charlie said first time in 31 years that I'm not at the empty tomb on the sunrise service on Resurrection Day. That's what we call it over there, Resurrection Day. I won't get into the whole thing about Easter. That's all right. I grew up collecting Easter eggs, too. <laughs> but, um, wow, and I was just... Um, was asking the Lord, you know, so like Charlie said, vagabond, nomad, just bouncing around like a pinball all over America and down in Central America, just being led by the Lord. We've been doing that for really for 31 years anyway, living by faith, but uh, this is the first time we've gone almost a year without being able to get back in the country, And uh, but it's been exciting because, Lord, where do you want me to go next? Where do you want me to go next? So I've been like a pinball, bing, 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 all over the place. And God has shown up every place. And so um, God will show up. I know you guys, because I know you're Pastor Charlie. I know that you already know this. God will show up anywhere people open their eyes and are watching for him, right? So we had that anticipation today. So I was praying. I said, you know, Easter weekend is a tough time ever to get a meeting. So probably I just won't be anywhere right. And the Lord uh, said, I'll show you. And two hours later... Uh, Mike Lyle down in Sebastian called me out of the blue and said, where are you going to be Easter weekend? I said, well, I'm up in Kentucky going to Atlanta. Uh, I said, why? He goes, could you come with us for Good Friday? And I said, sure. The Lord just, ident- just, just bore witness, and I went. I said, okay. And then I said, so maybe I'll just hang around for Sunday or whatever. And the Lord said, uh, I don't know if I called or texted Charlie. And uh haven't been here in what's well, over five years because Kevin wasn't here when I was here last time. And I said, well, just see how he's doing anyway. 
And uh, he said, well, that explains why I did my Easter uh, sermon last Sunday. And so uh, we were going to tag team, but uh, this is how we're doing it today. So anyway, it's a God thing. It's not just a haphazard thing. It's a God thing. It's a divine appointment. And that's why we're here. So I don't want to be in. I would I would rather be right here than a resurrection sunrise service at the garden tomb in Jerusalem. I mean, it is a great backdrop, you know, to talk about resurrection, you know. And uh, CBN films it, and then uh, all of the major news feeds, even uh, CNN and all those other crazy stations, you know, they take a feed off of CBN, Christian Broadcast Network, and because it's a news story and it goes all over the world, so we just pray that our anointing then reaches. But with this lockdown, um, you know, that's just uh, not possible, so God wanted me to be here. So I'm excited to be here. I hope you're excited to be here. Um, I love your identity logo. That's not a, a tombstone, although it could be, because it's a thumbprint or a fingerprint. Some of you said, I never realized that. No, that's a fingerprint with a cross in it. And uh, that's our identity into our one-of-a-kind uniqueness. Yeah. And uh, what else? Oh, I, um, I was like 20 minutes in Caliente Lingerie before I realized I was in the wrong building over here. <laughs> I said, man, they got a lot of pretty girls at their church. I'm kidding. It's closed. <laughs> you still got a lot of beautiful women and ugly men. But anyway, <laughs> look at this. Got our first offering coming right up. <laughs> no, he's set free. Now, I already, I already heard what you preached last week. So this... This is setting somebody free right here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I've asked Tristan just to, he's talk about blind faith. He has no idea what I'm going to do up here. And I asked him if he would just help keep me on the beat here a little bit. And uh, uh, in Israel, you know, uh, the whole world eventually comes through Israel. So you have to use songs that have been around a while that people know from all over the world. In America, you know, you pick stuff up off the of YouTube and you're changing songs often and all this stuff. But um, so I don't keep up with all of that. But uh, what I do has purpose and meaning to it. If you can imagine this first song that I want us to do is called Celebrate Jesus Celebrate. But imagine doing it as we do in Jerusalem at the empty tomb. Uh, guys like Morris Sorello, he's in heaven now, but uh, they would come and always request that we do that because people come from all over the world. And that's what we want to do today is to celebrate the empty tomb, right? Any point you can, there we go. <laughs> you know, where is it? That's it. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate. Can I have a little more keyboard? Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. More keyboard, please. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. He is risen. He is risen. And he lives forevermore. He is risen. He is risen. And he lives forevermore. 
risen, come on and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Jesus celebrate. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And he lives forevermore. He is risen. He is risen. Come on and celebrate. Come on and celebrate. Oh, come on. And celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men, all men unto me. Men in the biblical sense is like mankind, it includes the men and the women. And they had no idea what he was saying, if I be lifted up, that it would be on a cross. God's way of exalting is a whole lot different than we think it ought to be. <laughs> but he was lifted up on that cross, and we are celebrating it today. Clap your hands. My life is in you. My life is in you. That's it. My strength is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. In you, it's in you. My life is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. My hope is in you lord in you it's in you i will praise you with all of my life i'll praise you with all of my strength with all of my life with all of my strength all of my hope is in you Let's sing it. My life is in you. My life is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. In you, it's in you. My life is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. In one more time, my life, oh, my life is in you, Lord. Is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. In you, it's in you. In you, it's in you. It's in you. I think we got some of the words and some of it we don't. 
Maybe you know this song. And you know if you don't know the words, it's okay. Just hear what, what's being said and echo it as a prayer from your own heart. That's the whole purpose. The whole purpose is not whether you like a song or whether you know a song or whether it feels good. It's what we're saying collectively to the Lord. This song says, Come, now is a time to worship. And worship is just entering into His presence. It's not just singing a bunch of songs. But it's coming in intentionally into His presence to hear from Him. Come, now is a time to worship. Come, now is a time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. So let's come. Come now. Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart just as you are to worship come just as you are before your God come one day every tongue will confess you are God one day every knee will bow Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you. One day, oh, one day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly think about that. Still the greatest treasure, still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your hearts. Come, just as you are, to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. Come just as you are, just as you are, to worship. Come just as you are before your God. Come. Come. We come. Say, Lord. I come, I come, just as you are. Just as 
I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed just for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, yes, I come just as you are to worship, come just as you are before your Let's be intentional today. Something's been bothering you. Something's been burdening you down. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's something going on that you just feel like, I can come so far, but I, I got to stop because I got this thing or whatever it is. God says, come just as you are. Shouldn't be able to. It was up to me. I know if it was up to Charlie the way he used to be, you wouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> but boy, we found the grace in it and so thankful. And that's what God says. Come, come unto me, all you who are weary. I'll give you rest. He says, come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. Don't stop short of the table today. Come, he paid the price, he rose again, so we can come, we can come on in, no ceremony necessary, just a willing heart, say here I am God, hineni in Hebrew is here I am, it's me, unworthy, but I stand before you today, God. I stand before you today, God. Maybe you sit before him. Maybe you lie on the ground. It doesn't matter. Before him, though, in his presence. And let him minister. Let him talk to you. Somebody today needs direction doesn't mean there's something wrong in your life. It just means that you need to hear from him how to handle. Somebody's going through something at home and you've just been like, I don't know. I don't know how to handle that. God says, come. <laughs> come. You won't get a word unless you come. You won't get instructions you need unless you come. We come. Somebody needs deliverance today. You say, well, after that, I'll come. God says, the only way it's going to happen is if you come. It's okay. He's not going to kill you. He's going to heal you. <laughs> so come. I come. from you I just need to be with you 
in your presence. Lord, in your presence, we, we listen. Let he who has an ear hear, hear what the Spirit is saying, what the Father is saying by the Spirit. Lord, we listen. The only way is if we'll stop and listen. Lord, if nothing else happens here today, may we take time to stop and listen to you. We've, we've walked right into that place called the Holy of Holies. Because when he hung on that cross, you know the story, the curtain, the veil that separated that only the high priest could go at certain times was torn. I mean, it's, it's a proven, it's a historical fact. The Jews will tell you, we don't know what happened to their temple, but the, the thing was torn. We know what happened. And God made a way that we could come, not just to come by and wave and say, wow, you're awesome, God, see ya. No, to stand there, wait, wait. Can't get away from this, but there's somebody facing something of dire consequence, and you need, you need hear from him in his presence. And I know each one of us have something that he wants, he might even want to surprise you. But bask in his presence. I enter the holy of holies. I enter through the blood of the Lamb. I enter to worship you only. I enter to honor I am. Lord, I worship. 
I worship you. Lord, I worship you. I worship you. For your name is holy, holy, Lord. You know, holy doesn't mean when he says that we're to be holy, he's not asking us to be perfect. Holy in Hebrew simply means set apart. And that's what's happening today. We came from wherever you live, from whatever your circumstances are, to be set apart in a place in the presence of God. He is set apart, and he calls us to be set apart to a different place. But when we're set apart where he is set apart, miracles happen, supernatural. It's only supernatural. We'll talk about that today. Supernatural. God is doing supernatural all over this planet, and people miss it. Too concerned about what they're going to get at Walmart. And God's got supernatural. And that's where we are today, in that supernatural place. For your name is holy, set apart. Holy Lord, for your name is holy. Holy Lord, for your name is holy. Holy, holy, I want to be set apart with you. So right now I enter the holy of holies. I enter through the blood of the Lamb of God sacrifice made I enter to worship you only I enter to honor I am Lord I worship you I worship you Lord I worship you I worship you, for your name is holy, holy Lord. Just talk to him in your own words. Forget the words of the song. Let's do what it says. Lord, I enter to meet with you. Lord, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Stand before you, listening, God.
someone says, I'm not sure I know how to listen. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Well, welcome to Childlike Faith today. You don't have to know. Some of you have been around it a long time and still deep down inside you say, I wonder what that would be like. God says, step in. Step in. Just sense that he's saying, give it a moment, a moment longer. Waiting on you. Don't know what to do. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. With childlike faith. I think I heard something, God. I think I heard something. Was that you? <laughs> and you're saying, yeah, that's me. You know, deep down inside. Didn't Charlie say, crank it up, crank it up. Your expectation level. Don't try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, Lord. I think I know what you're saying, Lord. you confirm to me before I leave this place Mary and I 31 years ago heard God say something that was so impossible that I, I thought I've either heard from God and it's going to work or I'm just going to sail out into failure big time and go looking for a job somewhere. Maybe Charlie Coker will hire me. <laughs> but you know what? That's, that's, it doesn't mean I'm so full of faith and God said this and I knew this and I knew that. Sometimes it's just like, oh man, it's just... I really think, and you do it. Nike didn't coin that phrase, just do it. God did. Just do it. Just get out there. He'll confirm. He'll show you. He'll guide you. He loves you. He'll take care of you. And if you make a mistake, he'll be right there. It's okay. Had no idea. And now I understand why he didn't tell us what was going to happen, because I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> I would have said, no way, not me. And even if it is me, uh, hum, 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 hum. <laughs> I was like Moses, stuttering, you know, God, there's some people a lot better than me that can do that. And God said, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Well, it's a word for somebody today. You, you feel like it's, he's not telling you every step. He's just saying, step out. <laughs> and I, there you go, step out. <laughs> That's a perfect prophetic picture right there. Step out and let him guide you day by day, step by step. Doesn't mean you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Something good coming up here. Go for Listen. it, Charlie. 
when Jay was up worshiping and praying in tongues, I heard the Lord say, everybody wants to see me come out of the tomb, but they've turned their worship of the tomb into their own cave. And what you just saw was some of you need to come out of your own cave and let the one who's been risen and exited the tomb empower you into your destiny. I don't know how you're going to do this, Roy, but it's time to stand up and walk out of your cave. What you just saw her do, it's time to, to activate. Yep. Did Jesus come out of the cave? He came out of the tomb. It's time for us to come out of our cave. Come out of the tomb and be the risen Christ. It, you might just want to take a walk right now. You might want to just take a walk right now. Come on out. Sloppy cave living is done. It's time to reign and rule. Sloppy cave living is done. It's time to reign and rule. Come on. Come on. Get the lead out and stand up and, and activate some things. Act, step out of your bad attitude. Step out of your rejection. Step out of your fear. Step out of your doubt. Step into your future. Step into God. Step into the very things that he's promised you to do that there was no way you could do, but he's been trying to do it through you. Step out. Some of you need to throw your grave clothes off, too. Y'all need a new dress. <laughs> Come on. Ha! We're, we're just worshiping what he did, and he's told us to duplicate it. Let me give you another example. Kids, step out and go to kids' church. <laughs> Great example. Childlike faith. Just get on out of here. <laughs> Can I go with them? <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, this is an old hymn song, and I don't guess the words made it up onto the screen but you know sometimes we're glued to that screen too much and we just need you know imagine ladies can you imagine if your husband wanted to say something really sweet to you and he walked up to you and said honey I just want to tell you something and he pulls out a piece of paper and he buries his head in it and says I love you with all my heart and I want to spend all my days with you. <laughs> That's the way we are sometimes reading the words. And sometimes God says, would you just tell me 
just heart to heart how you feel. Because this song really says, um, 31 years in, just showing up where God says to show up, ending up face to face. Can you believe this? From Vero Beach, Florida to the last five prime ministers of Israel, God has put me face to face to speak to them, to minister to them, tears coming down each one's face. Only God, only God. Only God, exactly. <laughs> and it's still only God. I haven't learned how to do it. I still just say, God, now what next? So this old hymn song says, Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness. To me, let's sing that chorus again. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. All I have needed, all I have needed, thy hand has always provided. Great is thy faith, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy, proclaim it today, great, great is thy faith. Lord unto me Hallelujah Thank you Thank you God Hallelujah And everybody said Amen Okay, let's stay in the worship. That basket and that basket are for our tithes and offerings. The middle basket is for Roy's ministry. So let's go ahead and bring your tithes and offerings up. Okay. The middle basket is for Roy. If you're writing checks, thousand is T H O U S A N. Wow. Pardon for sin. A peace that endureth 
mine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow thank you lord blessings all mine with ten thousand beside one more time great great is, is thy faithfulness, faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, all I have needed, thy hand has provided. All I have needed, all I have needed, thy hand has always Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy great is thy faithfulness. Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Father, I thank you for the tithes and offerings. I thank you for every household. I thank you for blessing. We thank you for finances coming in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We thank you for promotion. Whew. We thank you for debt cancellation. And we just glorify in who you are and who you've made us. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Roy's, is, Roy's Baskets is still here. And uh, I'm just going to figure out how he's going to do that. been anointing all day i'm gonna take it this one hello hello i'm on a glory mic now <laughs> can you hear me as good as you heard charlie <laughs> that's true i know how that goes i know how that goes okay yeah i think i feel a little stronger there Thank you, brother. He's been taking care of me all morning. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, well, first of all, um, again, Lord, just speak to us. Are your hearts open? Is your heart open? Are you um, putting a guard up? Put, you know, he talked about crank it up, but also put a guard up, because I guarantee you something will distract you or try to distract you. Say, no, I'm, nothing out, nothing's distracting me. I just got this pain in my side. Yeah, that's a distraction. No, nothing's distracting me. It's just that person over there just bugs me. That's a distraction. Get rid of it. <laughs> I didn't say point to anybody. Thoughts about something else pop into your mind, food, all kinds of things. A giraffe will come into your mind, just parade right across the front and... The enemy's good at it. He knows whatever it takes to distract you. Don't let it happen. 
Now, it's not me at all, but do you think if God would shut down the empty tomb in Jerusalem after 31 years and put me here, that the enemy would try to keep you from getting whatever it is I brought to you from Jerusalem today? Again, it's not me. It's just I have a word. I have a word, too. Stand up. How many months are you? I just know I'm 30. Okay, put your hand on your belly. I've seen this twice. I believe it's a prophetic act. And I believe it's in the natural. The Lord told me to pray. I saw the umbilical cord wrapped around this baby that when birth comes, the enemy's going to try to suck oxygen out of it. And I command that it will not happen. It will not happen. It will not happen. The assignment of the enemy is canceled right now. The enemy always tries to take you out at the very thing you're trying to birth. Don't miss your birthing today. Thank you. No, don't be sorry. My gosh, that's exactly what we want. So, I mean, if you're going to do that, you better make sure Charlie knows it's the right thing. So. <laughs> And the Lord. <laughs> but so here's the thing. <clears throat> a lot of people don't realize that today is not just Resurrection Day for us to celebrate. Today is the last day of another holiday that doesn't get celebrated much in the church. It's called Passover. It's a story that gets preached on every once in a while. And it's, it's not, people say it's one of those Jewish holidays, it's a biblical holiday. Biblical feast. I'm not here to say we need to do this and need to do to get all this, except that it's it's very powerful, and it's an eight day feast. It's an eight day celebration, and today is the last day of Passover. Now, um, with the the Jewish calendar, actually, I should say the biblical calendar, it goes off of the moon. The moon cycles is a moon. New moon is is a new time to worship it's a new time and and the calendar calendar is based off of that ours is based off of the sun and i'm not here to educate you on how that all got off track but that's why you'll find jewish people celebrating their holidays it doesn't always land on the calendar date the way the same every year we say man they should just change that and no they're not going to change it they're going to stick with the way it was set up. And so we're the ones that need to adjust, right? So anyway, all that to say that uh, 2,000 years ago when Jesus, if I say Yeshua, by the way, that's, his, that's the name his mama called him. That's his Jewish Hebrew name. Yeshua means salvation. And uh, he is called many other things, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, God with us, Sar Shalom. Um, but his given name was Yeshua. Salvation, um, just in case I, I'm so used to saying that, if I say Yeshua, you know who I'm talking about, Jesus. It's the same person. It's not a weird thing. It's <laughs> Anyway, so um, Yeshua, Jesus, died on the cross and all of that. It, 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 Passover at that particular year landed on a different date than it does on our calendar, okay? 
So it actually began, and it begins every year with a biblical feast called uh, Passover, or Hebrew is Pesach, but it's a, it's a meal that's called a Seder. Any of you ever been to a Seder meal? Okay. And uh, S-E-D-E-R, Seder, actually means order. It's done in an orderly way, and it talks about deliverance out of Egypt. Whoa. Actually, we ought to do that every year, really, just to talk about deliverance. But anyway, uh, because God said, I want you, everything I do for you, I always want you to tell your children, your children's children, your generations, I want you to be reminded of all the things that God has done, not just so that you can say what happened a long time ago, but you can know the God that you serve, the God that you believe in, the God that you love. And believe me, today we're going to talk about some things that I hope will just just blow your socks off, if you're wearing any, um, that will, will help us to grasp what God has already done. Why? So that we will know what he will do now. Because it's who he is. It's what he does. That's his nature. That's what he is. And he didn't just do it a long time ago. He's doing it today. So now... So the, the Jewish people were doing the biblical thing and celebrating this, this Passover, and Jesus came. We know the story. I don't have to go through all of that for you. Um, don't have time for that. But you know that Jesus fulfilled the Passover because they celebrated the deliverance and the blood over the doorposts, and Jesus shed his blood over our hearts, right? And so uh, they had the lamb, and all of that was sacrificed. It had to be a perfect, blameless, spotless lamb, and that's exactly what Jesus was, and he had to be sacrificed. He became the sacrifice for our sins. And praise God, that's why we said we can go into his presence, but we got to make sure we don't just take it too lightly, right? So, so he was tried before the high priest. Some people say, you know, those Jewish people, they killed Jesus. Did you know that if the, the priest had not been involved, the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us would be invalid today? It had to be them. Did you know that God put blinders on their eyes so they didn't even know? They thought they were doing a good thing? It had to be because the sacrifice had to be examined. That's why they took it to the temple. That's why they took it before the priest. The priest's job was to look at that. That's why they were so careful about it. They were so careful about the. They had to make sure that they found the very best, the most spotless uh, sacrifice they were going to make, whether it was a turtle dove or whether it was a sparrow or whether it was a lamb or a goat or whatever it was going to be. And they cautiously brought it before the priest because the priest had to examine it and say, you gave your best. This is a spotless sacrifice. The priest would say, I find no fault in your sacrifice. So, if Jesus had not been taken before the high priest to be examined, he would be invalid today. And the high priest, what did the high priest say? Spotless. I find no fault. Pilate said it. It would had to be done publicly for everybody to see. They all saw that the sacrifice lamb of God was spotless. So 
So if you've been holding animosity against the Jewish people, I probably nobody in here, I don't know, maybe you never know, but it, probably nobody in here is anti-Semitic, which means anti-Jewish and anti... Uh, if that spirit's there, please don't leave this place with that spirit. Break that thing. Just get rid of that thing because God says, I'll bless those who bless my people and I will curse those who curse. And that's a whole other man. I'm, I'm just opening up all kinds of cans and leaving them open. <laughs> so, I know we can clean it up. So, okay, so so um, it had to be the high priest. Okay, so he was examined. A lot of people, and this is just a little um, freebie I'll throw in for no extra charge today, but it's it's really special to realize. Have you ever grappled with that three days thing? As in the day, like the Noah and you know Jonah, I mean, and the whale, three days. How do you get three days from Friday to Sunday? We have Good Friday, and it's kind of like the elephant in the room that every time you go to a Good Friday service, and, and let's don't talk about the fact that from Friday to Saturday to Sunday is two days, but it's, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, kind of, we just don't talk about that. <laughs> um, by the way, this is the first time I wore a jacket in a lot. I figured it's Resurrection Day, I resurrected this jacket, just, just for you guys. Um, did you know Jesus was sacrificed on Thursday night? Did, okay. Ah, okay. That's why people are going, some people didn't because they're going, <laughs> ah, okay. So, okay, well, here's the thing. In, uh, in, you ever notice a Jewish family has their, you know, the Sabbath is called Shabbat. They have their Shabbat dinner, their Sabbath dinner on Friday night. There's a reason for that. It's because in the Bible, in the account of creation, it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. You'll see that in the account of creation every day because the day biblically begins the evening before. And so Thursday night is Friday already. So he was on that cross Thursday night and died Thursday night, and he was in that grave Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, and early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. So I think I have a slide just simply to say, ta-da, drum roll please. I know Tristan's not up here. Happy Passover. <laughs> Today is, yeah, shalom. Today is the last day of Passover. So, hallelujah. Um, and most places I've gone, people don't know what I'm talking about when I say that. So now you do. Um, the next slide is simply a um, picture that my friend took. Uh, he's an award-winning photographer. That's the empty tomb. Whether or not it's the actual one doesn't matter. It's the one that is celebrated around the world and the one that you can go. I tell you, this, the people that maintain this place have maintained an atmosphere of worship. When you go there, you're just like, oh. you know, and if, if, you, if you come with us, we'll make sure you have time just to hang out there for a while. 
you know, when I'm there, I watch groups parade in like cattle, you know, 10 groups parade by. I just want to hang out there and bask in what he did for me. And that's the tomb. That's actually where that yellow flower is. That's usually where I'm standing for the last 30 years before this year, uh, leading worship on on uh, sunrise service. Uh, the next slide is just a different take on, on the same place. How do you like that? That's the way Jesus saw it. <laughs> That's the way he saw it as he was about to come out of that place. And by the way, if you haven't been to Israel, um, we can make sure that you get there. We have ways to make it more affordable. And even if our more affordable still seems like a lot of money to you, it's nothing for God. I've seen God take people miraculously who thought they could never have the money, especially for a couple or for a whole family. And they say, that's just way too much money. And we limit God. But God says, if you want to come to my town, He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. So you can come and you can actually go inside the tomb because I know the people that run the place. So I'll get you inside there. And then the next uh, is just a painting of how it might have been. Uh, this is up the Nazareth Village, one of their paintings that they offer for sale. But uh, that's just to give you an idea of more like what it would have looked like um, at that time of what we're celebrating, the resurrection today. Now, okay, so... Enough about that. Let me um, jump right into something. Our next slide that you will have there, don't you love when you go to a restaurant and they have pictures of the food so you don't have to try to guess what it looks like? I, I'm easy to follow because I always try to bring pictures. appreciate Kevin and everybody back there making these things available for us. Um, Chuck Missler was a well-known Bible teacher, and that's his picture there. He went to heaven about two years ago. But this, uh, this is worth taking your phone out and zooming in and, and saving, taking a snapshot if you want to. The Bible is the only book that hangs its entire credibility on its ability to write history in advance without error. That's a mouthful. That's a brainful. That's why sometimes it's good just to take a picture or just write it down or something. And, and that's something to, to feed off of for a while. It's the only book in the entire planet that ever has been or ever will be. It's so different, and this is why it's different. It's only credible because it is able to write history in advance. That's mind-boggling without error. So here's the deal. Did you know that 25% of this book was written before it happened? <laughs> How awesome is that? I mean, we take it for granted. It's been, wow. How many checks you got in there? Oh, that's not checks. I'm going to come up with as many revelations as I can today. All right, okay. And that was a gold bar right there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I like this idea. <laughs> Lord, please, more revelation gun. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta pay some property taxes. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I love to hold this up because um, it, we don't realize it. 25% of this book was written before it happened, meaning it told about things that were going to happen, and they happened. Over 300 prophecies 
in the Bible have already been fulfilled, and there aren't that many left that haven't been yet fulfilled. But here's the deal. It wasn't just like telling unique things like a farmer's almanac, you know, like when it's going to rain or what's going to happen, natural things, and tell about it that all this. Look at that. It said it was going to happen, and it did. It says impossible things were written in this book in advance because God knows how to get our attention. So praise God for the resurrection. Praise God for Jesus, his life, his ministry. Did you happen to notice that his ministry was constant miracles, miracle after miracle after miracle? Sometimes we become afraid of miracles. Well, I'm not going to chase after the miracle. You know, I'm just going to, well, okay, I get that. You don't want to just go seeking to gawk and, and all of that, to chase after things. But, but, but God is miracles. God is a supernatural being. And the way, so he didn't say, the way I'm going to prove my existence is I'm going to send my son. Now that's part of it. Praise God for that part of it. He, he became down to the size of a man. He lived here. He, uh, he, he was seen by thousands of people. Even after he came out of the grave, you know, he appeared to over 500 witnesses. I, I just, it amazes me when I hear scoffers and skeptics and agnostics and atheists to say, well, you know, some of those stories we're just not so sure about. And I mean, there hasn't been even one account of anybody that said it was false. That was the story of the century, and nobody said, they made that up. It's human nature. Somebody's going to blow the whistle if it's not right. I'll read something real quick for you that uh, maybe some of you saw this from Chuck Colson. Remember Chuck Colson uh, in the Nixon administration? Read about it in the ancient history books, some of you I know. But went to prison. Uh, he was advisor on the council for the president. And he says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. That was the big scandal, right? How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Now get this part. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it were not true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world at that time, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. <laughs> they wanted to keep their you-know-what out of prison. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> he says, you're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? That's from a man that went to prison for it. He says, absolutely impossible. Okay, now. Praise God that Jesus is a historical proven figure. There's more proof of the existence and life of Jesus. Uh, the writings of people that were there, the testimonies of people. You know, you've got uh, Islam and, and one guy named Muhammad 
said he heard from an angel. And that angel told him how mixed up everything was, and he was supposed to put everything in order, and he came up with the Koran. And everybody has to believe that one man. He must have been quite a salesman. <laughs> because millions and millions, in fact, I think a billion or more people, to this day have bought into that. But they come from a culture you don't question. You just do what the leader says because he's strong, right? So that's a whole other story. But Jesus, I mean, then you got Buddha and you got all these other people, um, Confucius, all these different ones that had these so-called religions. And you've got in the, in the Asian world, did you know that uh, two out of every three people on the planet are Asian? And they've been caught up in ancestral worship and things for generations and generations. They've been told, and, they, and you do it even if you don't believe it. You do it because it's your culture. You do it because that's what everybody expects of you, and on and on it goes. Do you see the, are you starting to see the difference here? So God says, I know how I created you, and I know what it's going to take to convince you. Yes, Jesus came. That alone should be enough to convince us. But God loved you so much. He said, I've got a whole lot more for you than that. That's just the crowning jewel of the story. He said, I had told you in advance. You know, we call it prophecy. Today I like to call it predictions for younger people because prophecy sounds like a churchy word, you know. It's the same thing, predictions. He said, I'm going to have different authors in 66 books put all together, wrapped up together. I'm going to, and they come from different places and different times. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have carrier pigeons even that could go from one place to the next to tell them what each other were saying. And it's all going to jive together. And I'm going to tell them things that will happen, impossible things that will happen. They're going to write it down. Did you notice that most prophecies or predictions in the Bible, when you read it, Here's how I summarize the, the, the way these things are written down. At the very end, it kind of says, P.S., when this happens, you'll know I am God. When these things happen, you'll know it was the Lord. When these things happen, you'll know I am your God. When this happens, read it. Every time it'll jump out at you time and time and time again through the word of God. All these impossible things, because here's what he says. I know you. I created you. I put just a little bit of my image, my nature inside of you, because I want you to think for yourself. I want you to realize what is logical. I want you to realize what is possible in the natural so that then when I invade that natural and I do something impossible, you'll know that I am God. And he did it, and he's doing it today. He loves us that much. So we have absolutely insurmountable evidence and proof that impossible things that were told about in advance have already happened. Most of them are in a place called Israel. I call Israel God's center stage. You know, this is a story. This is a love letter. This is a story about people. This is a story about lies. This is, I mean, you are in here. I'm in here. Even Charlie's in here. I mean, God has something about everybody in here, right? 
I mean, even if you just want to narrow it down to the middle of the book, because he put it right in the middle so we wouldn't miss it, the largest book called Psalms, written by a guy named David who made probably more mistakes than anybody else in this book. Yes, and then he gave his heart to the Lord and everything went, no. <laughs> he made even more mistakes after he tried to do the right thing. He just made mistake after mistake after mistake, did it wrong, over and over and over. It's not like the, the more you do it, the more perfect you get. You're, you're still a human being. But the question is, the difference is what you do, because every time, and you'll see it in the book of Psalms, he wrote most of the Psalms, every time he took it back to God. That's what we said in the worship time. No matter what you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, he says, come. I want you to come. David is the only person in the Bible that God says, that's a man after my own heart. Because he comes after my heart. He is real. He would shake his fist in the sky and say, how long will you forget me, Lord, forever? And most Christians today would be like, oh, don't, don't do that. That's not reverent enough, and, and you might make God angry. And, well, you're going to be in big trouble. David, talking to God about his enemies, he wasn't polite. He said, break their teeth in their mouth. Let them be cut up into little pieces. I hope your baby didn't hear that. That's probably why he's crying. I'm sorry. Cut into little pieces, right? But that's what David said. But you know what? He came to God and said that because that's how he felt because he also knew by going to God, he was going to hear something back from God. And he could handle that too. Probably every emotion known to mankind is, is in the book of Psalms, certainly in the Bible. Because God wants us to know, come just as you are. And so, Israel is God's center stage. It's actually, if you push all the continents back together, because God separated the lands, right? And you notice probably on a map that uh, it's like puzzle pieces. Like you push them all back together and they would fit. I always like when I say that because somebody's like, I never thought about that. Yeah, they would fit like, because if you push it back together, it would fit. And right, if you did that, right in the middle would be Israel. The Middle East is called the Middle East because it's in the middle. And Israel is in the middle of the Middle East, God's center stage, right? So he, even, even in the time of the times of the Bible, it was the center. You had to get from one place to the next. You had to go through Israel. The old spice trails and all the other, to get from one nation to the, the other nation, most of them, uh, to go any distance, you had to go through Israel. And God set it up that way because that's where he demonstrates who he is. That's why the temple was there. That's why all the things that he said are going to happen. What a great, that was an amazing revelation. I'm glad you did that because when you stepped out earlier, you didn't put anything in there, but now you did. So. <laughs> I knew would, conviction would get you. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. 
but I deserve that. This is my house. <laughs> I deserved it. Touche. So, this book tells a story. On that stage, you know, when you have a stage, you got to have people playing out the story on the stage, right? What does a casting director do to find the characters that are going to play out the story? He chooses. He or she chooses who's going to play in that story. Guess what the Jewish people are called? God's chosen people. Not his preferred people. Not He didn't like them better than anybody else. He chose them. That's it. He just chose them. You know, I could say right now, um, Charlie's asked me to find a volunteer today. Um, somebody had really bad diarrhea, and we need somebody to clean the toilets today. And I would ask for a volunteer, and I'm sure every hand would go up. Me, me, choose me. I want to clean the toilet. Right? Because you all have such servants' hearts. Why are you looking at me that way? I had to bring up diarrhea, didn't I? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, God chose them to tell a story. You can be chosen to clean the toilets. Does that make you a special person? Maybe. <laughs> Willingness to serve, yeah, yeah. And so, okay, so that's the point, is that he chose them to tell a story. In fact, he chose literally, you know, like in high school, what's that um, that title they give somebody, the most likely to succeed? Is that valedictorian? or a, I didn't get it either, Charlie. I'm, I'm nothing like you thought I was back then, by the way. But I was just more secretive and quiet, you know, and God had to get to me in a different way. <laughs> And so, well, I know you did that too because I was watching you. You didn't know it, but <laughs> if you knew Charlie like I know, oh. okay, okay. So the Jewish people were the least likely to succeed in that area because they were very stubborn people. And I love to watch people, yeah, I know those two, they're so stubborn. And I'm looking at the people saying that and saying, mm-hmm, stubborn. All of us, in one way or another. But God said, I want you to see what I will do with people even like David, even like people that are stubborn, even people that things are impossible, because God loves to take impossible things. Because that's who he is. Do you realize how impossible it is for this little speck of dust called the earth to exist the way it exists? You would think that alone would cause people to look at all the other galaxies and stars and planets and say, nothing like this one. That God did something so impossible here, but he gets us from any angle you want to come from. The, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the, the planets in the, in the galaxies, in the universe, and also, though, a story involving people in a real place called Israel. I said it's in the middle of the Middle East. Did you know that Israel, size-wise today, Israel is about the size of New Jersey, the whole country of Israel is the size of New Jersey. 
and the surrounding nations entirely surrounding from the Middle East, because Israel's in the middle of the middle, right? So the surrounding nations around there are all Muslim nations vowed to Israel's destruction. Now get this. Israel's size in New Jersey, the surrounding nations, somebody in the parliament, the, government, the Knesset of Israel told me, the surrounding nations are about the size of all of North America and Europe combined. Wrapped around New Jersey. Tell me God's not making his point. Put it right in the middle. Now those nations, it's, it's, it's just... The nature of that, of that demonic, uh, deception called Islam that has them convinced that, of course, they want to take over the world because they want everybody to be Muslim. They want everybody to be Islamic. So their, their goal is to take over the whole entire world, but they have this problem. Because this tiny little nation the size of New Jersey is Jewish. Jewish. I mean, to a Muslim nation, a Jewish nation is the biggest affront you could have. Let me give you another pic picture in your mind. Size of a football field, put a matchbox in the middle. Matchbox would be Israel. The rest of the football field would be the size of the nations that are vowed to Israel's destruction. And even when they all gang up together and try to attack Israel, they fail. You see why Israel's important today? Because it's going on before our very eyes today. We're going to take over the whole world, but first we got this little matchbox that we, we just can't get rid of. And I'll tell you something you can take to the bank. They ain't never going to. I have it on good authority. Just take a little note, Amos chapter 9, and read it sometime in there. He says he's going to bring the people back to that desert land, to that desolate land, and he's going to rebuild, and he's going to bring them back from the north, south. I mean, all the prophecies combined wrapped up in that. And he says, when I bring them back, no one will ever be able to pluck them up or take them away. That's what God says. He didn't say that about America or any other country, but he said that about Israel. So we need to pay attention to what he's doing. Today, Israel, of course, not this last year because of the pandemic. Um, I can't even get back in. I probably know people that I could get me back in, but what's the point? I would get back into a place where I have to sit in my living room all year. I sat there for two months. Mary's a good cook. She fattened me up pretty good in two months. I'm glad I got out when I did. I wouldn't have fit out the door. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of some of it. But here's the thing. God said, I have a purpose. And whatever you're going through today, see, this all boils down to what's happening in your life. It's not just good enough to have this great theological understanding unless you apply it to your own life. Whatever obstacles you have had, the insurmountable odds against you are nothing for God. Nothing for God. So he says over and over all the different impossible things 
that he said would happen. And, and, and our time is just about gone today, so I don't have time to give. But you know your Bible. You know. I'm just going to remind you, though. He said in advance to Abraham that he would take him to a place, and that's where Israel got started. That was miraculous. You know, his wife couldn't have babies, right? And they were, she was 99 years old. She laughed. You know the whole story. Impossible. It's all built on impossible things for a reason. Don't let your impossible circumstances stop you. Don't let your impossible situation hold you back. Don't let whatever's going on in your marriage or your kids or your finances or your job or your health, don't let anything hold you back because God does supernatural things. 31 years ago, I had a good job at Central Assembly of God in Vero Beach, Florida. It finally grew from 100 people. We were having 1,500 people back then. We were having six and 8,000 people coming to our productions, and I finally was making a salary. Not a huge one, but enough. I mean, I could actually go out to eat every once in a while. McDonald's would take my kids. We, we built a house. We had a new puppy dog. Back when it was cool, we had a giant satellite dish in our backyard. I had a little A-frame boat that with my little motor I could take out and go fishing out there off of uh, 17th Street Bridge. Underneath, not just over the top. <laughs> and God sent this guy from Israel to me to invite me to move my family to, to Israel. That's where Saddam Hussein, you know, that's before the Internet. Believe it or not, some of you don't even imagine what that was like, life before the Internet. <laughs> yeah, it was. Now, the newspaper, every day, Saddam Hussein says he's going to wipe Israel off the face of the map. That was what everybody talked about. And this guy says, would you like to move your family to Israel? Uh... uh that in itself was a challenge. Something was stirring, but I didn't know what. But I said, well, look, I'd have to ask, I'd have to ask this question because i got a wife and two kids. So if I did this, I, I don't even think I could do that. But if I did, what would the salary be? Well, that's the only caveat. That's when I learned what the word caveat meant. I thought it was what rich people eat. You know, that's caviar. But caveat means that's the one little... Uh, glitch in the whole proposition. <laughs> we can't pay you anything. <laughs> well, how magnanimous of you to offer me this position in Jerusalem with a tiny little caveat that you can't pay me anything. Probably a lot of people would like me to come and work for them if they don't have to pay me anything. But folks, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And again, don't worry about that. That's okay. That's just, that's us before God. That's us. <laughs> he just gave somebody a revelation right there. <laughs> I knew. Come on, Charlie. I'll wait. <laughs> you know, we could just put the box right down there. <laughs> <laughs> just throw the whole wallet in no, no. Um, <laughs> here's, here's the whole I, I, I painted that picture on purpose for you because here's the deal it was the most ridiculous sounding impossible sounding thing and I literally said to that man and, and this is where some of you are at today with something in your life because 
I was a spirit-filled, devil-chasing, tongue-talking man of God, preaching the Word of God and talking about all that God can and will do. And I looked that man right in the eye, and I said, when he said for me to come with no paycheck, I said, that can't be God. That's impossible. What's wrong with that picture? And God illustrated for me the best way he could for my life. Because I like to say, that's where God's supernatural invaded my natural. And God's supernatural is invading your natural today. If you listen, you got to know it's him. It's not just pick some stupid thing and say, I believe in miracles and I'm going to do that. <laughs> but he'll let you know when it's him and you'll know it. Now, he had to confirm it. We had confirmations all over the place. And, and um, Charlie knows the pastor that I was co-pastoring with for 12 years to convince him that that was God was a whole other story. That's another miracle, big time. But God did it. And as I said from the very beginning, I had to step out knowing that I might be making the biggest mistake of my life after something that I, I was part of that became so... So good, people coming from everywhere, lives changing to go with no paycheck. In fact, I was going into an organization where people didn't even really like Americans. And they didn't like charismatic people. They called me the happy clappy guy. Oh, I hated that. I just hated that term. Sounds like a nice thing, but it wasn't. Not. Oh, there's Mr. Happy Clappy. And that's where he was sending me because he wanted to teach me how to allow the supernatural to overtake the natural when he is in it. Folks, that's the life that he has promised us. That's the resurrection that he showed. That's what he was demonstrating for us. Not just that he did it so that nobody else has to, to die as a sacrifice. Yeah, but also to show the supernatural nature of who God is. And then not only that, Israel... All the stories you'll see in the Bible, it all comes back down to Israel. It comes back to a land and a people, a land, a physical place, and people, 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 story, story, story. For us, somewhere we find ourselves in those stories, and we see somebody else just like us messing up, and God says, now let my supernatural invade your natural and show you what I can do, even if you still have some problems, and I'll work on those too. But that's what Israel was all about. But he also said, I'm going to build that nation. And he did it. But he also said, remember when he said to the disciples? I promise I'll wrap this up. Remember what he said to the disciples? He said, uh, this temple is going to be destroyed. And they're like, no, not the temple. I mean, everybody comes from all over the, the known world. The temple is too, he said, in three days? No, it can't happen in three days. And by the way, that's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be look like I'm destroyed, and in three days, though, I'm going to come back. And he said, that's going to happen. And the Bible says that, that Israel would be scattered. The Jewish people would be scattered all over the earth. Nobody thought that would happen. But it did. But he told about it first. Impossible. And it happened. Now, here's the thing, and this is, this is where it's, it's all going to culminate for somebody right now. Because for 2,000 years, nearly 2,000 years, after Jesus died and they were scattered, right? Like he said would happen. The Bible also said, I will bring them back. 
to that land. And he said, it will be a desolate land. It will be ruined. No one will be able to do anything with that land. Did you know that during that 2,000 years, the greatest empires of the world tried to do something with Israel and couldn't? Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire. Ever heard of the British Empire in its heyday when they used to say, nowhere on the planet does the sun set uh, on, on the British Empire. There's always, wherever the sun rises, it's always somewhere in that, that time zone. Somewhere there's under the British Empire. The British Empire tried to do something with Israel and couldn't do it. And God said, thank you. I've been waiting for this to illustrate my point because he said nobody's going to be able to do it. Mark Twain came in the late 1800s and said, um, it looks like the sheep and goats are eating rocks. And he said, civilization could never exist here in this place. There were people there. There were nomads talking about nomads, vagabonds living there that were used to that kind of lifestyle, but not, not modern civilization. The trees were all gone. Literally, the birds did not fly over Israel anymore. It's a scientific fact. They did surveys, and the Bible said that would happen. The trees were gone. The Galilee, where all the fresh water came for the longest time, 80% of the fresh water came. It's a big lake that's called the Sea of Galilee, right? And it was a swamp. So really hold on to this now, because this is something, this is where God's going to really knock the point home impossible. And then the Bible had more prophecies, more predictions, impossible ones, like he's going to bring the people back to that place. And it said, stupid, sorry, it was stupid to people, things, the desert will blossom. The vineyards will come back. The vine will, the wine, the wine will flow through the vineyards and down the hills as the dew in the morning. And I will restore this land and I will, all the things, I don't have time. You just find it in your word. You'll see it. Just Google it if you want. And all the things that it said would happen. And just like me sitting there face to face with that man, believing in miracles, but saying that, that's impossible. That can't be God. That's impossible. In 2,000 years of Christianity, theologians, after decades and hundreds and hundreds of years trying to grapple with what did it mean, what did it mean, came up with theology, seminaries, schools, libraries galore around the planet, books of brilliant Christian theologians, scholars, that explained it away. Well, you see what it really meant when it said the desert will blossom. It's, it's the desert of your heart. And God will blossom in you. And the church is now Israel because we, of course, know it could never be a physical nation again. So then all of the literal prophecies for Israel, people began to rationalize and spiritualize and began to say, and that's why we have in, in denominations and, and people all around the planet 
who have doctrines and theologies, can you imagine how hard it is to unravel all of that? After 2,000 years? I'm talking as recent as May 14, 1948. Even that would be a long time for most of us in this room, but it's very recent compared to the last 2,000 years. A miracle happened. The UN, the United Nothing, I mean Nations, did one thing right on May 14, 1948, because out of the Holocaust, six million Jews were killed just for being Jewish and buried in big giant graves and literally, literally, literally Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones became a reality. Reality, not figuratively. And out of that, he says, out of the ashes, I will bring beauty for ashes. He says, I will bring them back bone upon bone, sinew upon sinew, and I will pour my spirit on them. I will bring them back and create a nation again from them. And it's because of that that the United Nations said, what can we do? These Jews need a homeland. That's all they want. They want a homeland. Where do you want it? They said, in the place. The place of the book. They don't want it there. It's impossible. That's where we want it. Uganda offered this big, massive amount of land bigger than the size of Israel. People will try to help God out. It was nice forestry and everything. We'll give you this. It's a gift from Uganda. No. We want that place. And they started coming back. They were not farmers. They were not agriculturalists. They didn't know what they were doing. They just came back, just like homing pigeons. They just came back and started coming back and coming back. God gave them ideas how to turn the Galilee into fresh water. Don't have time to explain it, but it happened. God showed them drip irrigation. That's where, where drip irrigation was invented. That's a, that's like a garden hose with a bunch of little pinholes in it. And you, you put the, the plant in the ground. The ground doesn't have the nourishment for it. So, the, the garden hose, the little pinholes, you, with the water you put the nutrients, right? They started growing things in the desert. Nobody ever thought of that before. It never happened before. But it did when God said. And he said, you'll be a blessing to the nations. You will teach the nations how to do what was impossible before. And Israel has taught the world how to grow things in the desert. I'm happy to tell you, that today Israel grows so many flowers blossoming in the desert, they export flowers to Holland today. I'm also happy to tell you that they planted so many trees that the birds have started coming back. So I can say even a bird brain can figure it out <laughs> when God does something. The birds have come back so much today, the Bible says all creation will announce the glory of God. So many birds fly over Israel today. There are more species of birds flying over Israel than any else place else on the planet. You think God proves his point? And tourism today, millions of people miss the most amazing part of it. Most people who come to Israel look, they, they want to walk where Jesus walked. They want to see the place where the Bible stories happened, past tense. 
And this is where that happened, and this is where that happened, and that's where Jesus did this, and that's where, and I get to be where Jesus was, 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 was. And before their very eyes is what God is doing today. That was impossible. There is a slide that shows me shaking hands with a guy. That next slide, if you manage to keep track of that, thanks. This man, not the one on the right, I don't know who that is. The one on the left is called the Billy Graham of Japan. He's a Japanese Billy Graham. Kichi Ariga, most famous preacher in all of Japan. Japan is 1% or less Christian. America had a chance at the end of World War II and didn't take it. They were willing to serve our God because we defeated them and we didn't take it. And this man has given his life. He heard this message that I shared with you today about God's center stage. He said, he, he came to me afterwards I didn't even know who he was. He came and waited in line to talk to me. He said, I have preached the gospel more than 50 years. I've taken dozens of groups of Japanese people to Israel, and I did not know until today why Israel is important today. Before our very eyes, we see proof of the existence of God because 25% was written before it happened, and it's happening right there. He said, I've never preached, I've never had anyone preaching alongside me, but I want you to come when you can, and I give you 50% of the meeting. And so I've gone twice, and I've been trying to get back there this year. God's got timing for it. I hope he hurries, because this guy's 88 years old. <laughs> He's still going strong. But God has taken this message, not me, but he's taken this message because he said, the people of Japan and all over Asia, thousands of religions, thousands of gods, nothing like this. He said, this message will reach our people. And I hope it's the message that will reach our hearts. The last slide I have for you is a scripture. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. And the final one, last, last slide. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you and me. Because he lives, we can also live in supernatural life. John 10.10, Jesus said, "I the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Has he been trying that? Is he doing that in the world all around us, not even just our country, but the whole world? He said, but I came that you might have life more abundantly. And life in the Greek is zoe, which means supernatural. He said, I came that you would have supernatural life. That's why we celebrate today. Well, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this group of people that sat and held on, Lord, longer than most people. I mean, most people, I, I can only share a few of these points, but I just felt that you were just saying, keep giving, keep giving, keep giving, because they're, they're just receiving from you today, because this is a supernatural house of God. Supernatural will be the normal.
because they believe with childlike faith. Thank you for what you're doing before our very eyes on your center stage today. But you said also in your word, the reason, he said, I'm not doing this just for your sake, O Israel, but that through you the world will see who I am. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. And you know what? The supernatural that he wants to do in this place is not just all about you, but it's that through you, your world around you will see who he is. So we receive today, Lord. We trust you. You have so much more life, more abundantly for us. Thank you for bringing us here together in this room, Lord. And thank you that even if I couldn't be at the empty tomb, your presence brought me here. And I've been ministered, Lord, just to be with people of like precious faith. Thank you for this time we've had. Yivarechecha Adonai veyismirecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha veyismirecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha Veyisim lecha Shalom. May the Lord now bless you and keep you. May his face now shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you show forth that light of his countenance. And may he give to you his shalom. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.